I've entitled the message for this evening, Barack and I. And I hope uh, you will be enabled to say the same thing with regard to yourself, Barack and I. I hope that will be understood by the end of this message. Now, the fact that he is mentioned in the Hall of Faith tells us of his significance. By faith, Barak. This is God the Holy Spirit's testimony with regard to this man. Now, he was not a judge. Uh, Deborah was the judge at this time. And we read the same old story beginning in verse 1, and the children of Israel again. The emphasis being again. Do you find that true with regard to yourself? The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. When Ehud was dead, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was in Sesera, and which the, he was the general, Sesera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron with these scythes coming out the um, side of their axles and mowing men down, war machines. In 20 years, he mightily oppressed the children of Israel and Deborah, a prophetess. The wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time, and she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment, and she sent and called Barak. Here we have Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun, and I will draw unto the river Kishon, Sesera, the captain, the general of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thy hand. And interestingly, uh, it would be more literally Read, I have delivered him into your hand. Not something that's going to be done in the future, but something that has already taken place. Child of God, your salvation has already taken place. It's behind you. When our Lord said, it is finished, it was finished. And here's an interesting detail. And Barak said unto her, now she gives this assurance. The Lord has delivered Sisera and his army and his chariots into your hand. The victory is sure because it's already and Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. 
Now, on one hand, I can understand why Barack wanted her going. As a matter of fact, I think she intended to go all along. But he said, I won't go unless you go with me. And if you go with me, then will I go. He should have gone at once, shouldn't he? But he didn't. He didn't. That's an important detail. Verse 9, and she said, I will surely go with thee. Notwithstanding, the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, he, she says to him, you're not going to get any glory or honor in this victory. It is all going to go to a woman. You will get absolutely None. Verse 10, And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and he went up with 10,000 men at his feet, and Deborah went up with him, just like God told him to do. And then we're given this interesting detail in verse 11. Now Heber the Kenite, which was of the children of Hodab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites, and pitched his tent under the plain of Zerulam, which is by Kadesh. This is the man whose wife is the woman who will kill Sisera. The Lord ordained everything that was going to take place. Everything that took place took place because he said it would take place. You know, that's, regard, that's true with guarding everything. God's God. He's the first cause behind Everything. Do you find comfort in that? He's God. He controls everything. He's the first cause of everything. And he has ordained that this woman, the wife of this man we just read about, is going to get the glory in this fight. Back to the story. Verse 12, and they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor, and Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, his war machines, and all the people that were with him, from Harasheth of the Gentiles unto the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thy hand. It's already accomplished. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Tabor and 10,000 men after him. And the Lord discomfited, utterly crushed Sisera and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak. You know, it doesn't even say Barak was using his sword. Uh, he may have been, but... That's not what it says. It says this was all happening before Barak. It almost seems like he was a spectator at this time, watching the Lord accomplish this victory. So that Sisera lighted down off his chariots and fled away on his feet. He saw he was being crushed. What does he do? He jumps out of his chariot and he runs. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Harasheth of the Gentiles, and all the hosts of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword there was not a man left. 
Child of God. That's what Christ did for you. There's not a sin left. There's not a sin left. What a complete victory he achieved for every believer. Verse 17, how be it? Caesar, this general, when he saw that his army was crushed, fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of the man mentioned in verse 11, Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. So he thought this is safe for me to go into her tent and hide. There's peace between that family and us. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord. Turn in to me. Fear not. And when he turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. She hid him. And he said unto her, Give me. I pray thee a little water to drink, for I'm thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, Is there any man here? Thou shalt say, No. And Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him. And smote the nail into his temples and fastened it into the ground, for he was fast asleep, weary, so he died. Sisera was killed in this gruesome fashion. With what? A hammer and a nail. Who else was killed by a hammer? And a nail. So he died, and behold, as Barak pursued Caesar. Now he's still pursuing. He doesn't know that Caesar is dead. He's still pursuing. This is, detail is very important. He's still pursuing. And behold, as Barak pursued Caesar, and Jael came out to meet him, she said unto him, Come, and I'll show you the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into the tent, behold, Sesra lay dead. And the nail was in his temple, so God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Now what stands out to me about this story is Barak saying, I'm not going unless you go with me. You're going to win. God's determined it. It's already taken place. Victory is absolutely sure. And Barak says, I'm not going unless you go with me. And he is still pursuing Sisera, and he doesn't know what has taken place. Now, I want us to think just for a moment about this thing of pursuing. He pursued Sisera. I'm going to give you some scriptures with regard to this thing of pursuing. 
Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow or pursue after peace. Pursue it. And holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. The scripture says, pursue hospitality. Pursue it. Let us follow or pursue after the things that make for peace and edify one another. Paul said, pursue charity. Follow after charity. Make it your pursuit. Paul said, I follow after if I may apprehend, I pursue after if I may apprehend that which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, I press, I follow, I pursue. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Ever follow, ever pursue that which is good. Follow, pursue after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace. Seek peace and pursue it. We are pursuing perfection. Amen. We are pursuing perfection. But Paul said, I've not attained. A believer is described by our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount as poor in spirit, mourning, meek before God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker, one who is Persecuted for righteousness sake. I pursue being poor in spirit. And I find myself so proud and arrogant and haughty. I pursue mourning over my sin. I pursue that. And I find it frightening how hard-hearted I am toward my own sin. I pursue after being meek before God. You know, uh, Barak was pursuing that which he was told. You're not going to get any glory in this. I pursue being meek before God, being submissive before God, believing everything he does and brings my way is right and just. I pursue that. But I find myself murmuring and being unhappy with the things God brings my way. I pursue hungering and thirsting after righteousness. I want that to be me. I find far too much satisfaction rather than hungering, indifference with regard to my sin, rather than thirsting. 
I pursue being merciful. I want to be merciful. I I want this to be the description of me. And it is the description of every believer. I pursue being merciful. Yet I find myself being non-empathetic where I should be touched by others. I feel myself being hard-hearted. I pursue being pure in heart. And if I'm a believer, I am pure in heart. But I see something else in me that is so impure and evil. I pursue being a peacemaker. And yet how often do I stir up the pot with my own wicked whatever? I pursue being persecuted for righteousness sake and how often I'm afraid I'm persecuted for self-righteousness sake. Big difference. I pursue. But like Cicero, I don't get a hold of it. What about the fruit of the Spirit? I pursue love. I want to love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. I want to love my neighbor as myself. That's the greatest commandment. What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. I pursue the greatest commandment, yet I find myself in the constant breaking of the greatest commandment. Not loving God with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength and my neighbor as myself. I want to have the joy and the peace of believing. Yet, how often I'm anything but that. I want to love, joy, peace. I, I want to have nothing but peace. Yet, how often am I filled with anxiety? I pursue long-suffering. That's what I want to be. And every believer has the fruit of the Spirit. And I pursue being long-suffering and patient. But how impatient I am. I pursue gentleness and goodness. I want to, I want to treat people in a merciful way. But how often am I the opposite? I pursue faith. And yet in my experience, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I pursue meekness. And how in my experience do I feel anything but meek before God? Upset, angry, not liking the way providence has turned things my way. I pursue temperance. I want to have complete control from within by the grace of God, yet how intemperate I am. Barak, he pursues, but he doesn't get it. Now I find every day the most accurate description of my experience is found in Romans chapter 7. Would you turn with me there? Beginning in verse 14. For we know 
that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now this is, I reckon there's never been a, I guess you could argue that John the Baptist was the greatest of them born uh, of women. That's what the Lord said. But I think Paul would be close. Yet look at his experience. For that which I do, I allow not. I don't approve of it. For what I would be perfect, never sin again. Be poor, mourn, be meek before God, hunger and thirst perfectly after righteousness. Be merciful, be a peacemaker, pure in heart, persecuted for righteousness sake. What I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. And notice he doesn't say sometimes I mess up. He says this is my experience before God. This is my experience, that do he doesn't say sometimes I mess up that do I if then verse 16 I do that which I would not I consent unto the law that it is good I love God's holy law I love every commandment it reflects his holy character it's good I love God's Holy law. And I can see it's good. You believe that? It's good. Now then. It's no more I that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me. That is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Do you know that? Paul said he did. For to will is present with me. I would never sin again. But... How to perform that which is good. What are those next three words? I find not. And once again, these are the words of Paul. And this is the state of a healthy believer. For the good that I would. Verse 19, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present. With me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity 
to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now let me remind you that Deborah told him at the outset of his journey, it shall not be for your honor. You will never, in your experience, say, I've arrived. I finally reached the poverty of spirit that I need. I now sufficiently mourn over my sin. I'm finally meek before God. I'm hungering and I'm thirsting as I should. Oh, I'm pure in heart and I'm merciful. I'm a peacemaker. I'm person. You're never going to reach the state when you can say, I've arrived. Uh, Barak could not say, I've defeated Sisera. He was pursuing, but he never got to him. Now, if I did um, arrive, I know what I would do. Now, I, I love to think about uh, the Apostle Paul once again, this same man who wrote Romans chapter 7, and this is the everyday experience of every believer. This is the healthy believer. This is not some believer who's just living wretchedly and wallowing in his, his filth and mire and trying to look for an excuse. This is the experience of every believer every day. This same man who penned what was said in Romans chapter 7 is also the man who was taken into the third heavens and was taught the gospel directly by Christ himself. Can you imagine what an experience that must have been? He said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knows. What an experience that must have been. And then he said, unless I should be exalted above measure, for the abundance of the revelations that were, for the abundance of revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, to knock me black and blue, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I asked the Lord three times, let it depart from me. He said, what was it? We don't know. There's a thorn in the flesh, whatever that is. And he said, Lord, take this away. And the Lord didn't say, no, I'm not going to take it away. But he did say this, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. As Barak pursues Sisera, J.L. comes out. Come and I will show you the man you seek. And he sees this one 
with a nail driven through his head. Now, I pursue, I do, you do too. I pursue likeness to Christ. I pursue obedience. And like Barak, in this life we never attain, but we see our victory in the nails being driven in the hands and feet of our Lord and Savior. And that's where my victory is. No, I don't get any glory. That's fine with me. He gets all the glory. What he achieved for us in his life and death and resurrection is our salvation. Now look in verse, back in uh, Judges chapter 4. Verse 23, well, verse 22, And behold, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, and I'll show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temples. So God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the children of Israel and the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. In chapter 5, we have the song of Deborah and Barak, but let's look at this um, uh, verse 31, the last verse. So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might. And the land had rest. Rest for 40 years, for a generation. What is rest? Rest is this. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross where the nails were driven, the hammer raised and the nails driven in Christ. That is all my salvation. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you and I be enabled. Oh, wouldn't that be something by the grace of God if you and I are enabled by his spirit to glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for him who willed the nails to be driven through his hands and feet with the hammer so that you would make a way to be just and justify sinners like us and how thankful and grateful we are for him. 
Lord, cause us to pursue. Oh, Lord, deliver us from anything short of pursuit of thy son. But Lord, let us know that in our salvation, no glory goes to us, but all goes to thy son. And Lord, we're thankful it's that way because we know that is what makes our salvation secure, that he did it all. Bless us this message for Christ's sake. In his name we pray, amen.